Welcome to the Evolution Exchange Cybersecurity Podcast. We bring together the best security leaders from across the UK to discuss their industry passions, challenges, and ideas. I'm Stephen, and I connect businesses with talented security professionals. But today, I'm your host for this roundtable discussion. Today, we'll focus on the Manchester security scene and the importance of community within the industry. For this conversation, I'm joined by Glenn Riggs, the Head of Information Security at CapQuest, Noha Armin, the Head of Information and Cybersecurity at TLT, and Lawrence Bentley, the Head of Cybersecurity at Quarter Cloud. Before we jump deeper into today's discussion, let's work our way around the room with some introductions. Glenn, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, good morning. Um, uh, Thanks for the introduction. Uh, Glenn Riggs, Um, I've been in information security for about 13 years now, and I've been with um, CapQuest uh, for roughly, I think I'm into my seventh or eighth year now. Um, Started off as an information security manager and through divestiture and all things business, I've kind of moved my way up and now and the head of uh, information security uh, at CatQuest. Fabulous stuff. Thanks, Glenn. Noha, let's uh, let's jump to you. Thanks, Stephen. Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm Noha Amin, um, head of information and cybersecurity in TLT. Um, I've been in cybersecurity field uh, for 23 years in different industries, telecom, uh, financial and legal. Um, I'm very passionate about cybersecurity and empowering women in tech. Um, so that's me. Fantastic stuff. Thank you very much, Noha. And last, but by no means least, Lawrence. Yeah. Hi, Stephen. I'm Lawrence Bentley. I'm head of cybersecurity at Quarter Cloud. I've been in IT security since 97, um, where I initially started working with UK Armed Forces and Central Government. As you can probably tell by my accent, I am not natively from up north, but I've now been living up north longer than I was ever down south. And yeah, the scene in the northwest is incredible and has grown from strength to strength over the last 25 years. Absolutely. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for the introductions to you all there. And now, a word from our sponsor, Qualys. But who are Qualys? Qualys is recognised as an industry pioneer and a premium provider of cutting-edge cloud-based security compliance and IT solutions. Backed by a global subscriber base exceeding 10,000 customers. Qualys is incredibly proud to be supporting Evolution Podcasts. Together we are dedicated to addressing the prevalent challenges in the ever-changing landscape of cybersecurity. Qualys assists organizations in consolidating and automating their security and compliance solutions onto a unified platform, resulting in enhanced agility, improved business outcomes, and a significant cost reduction. Utilizing a single agent, the Qualys Cloud Platform delivers continuous critical security intelligence and remediation with comprehensive coverage extending across on-premise, endpoints, servers, public and private cloud, containers and mobile devices, ensuring robust security across a diverse environment. For more information, please visit Qualys.com and see for yourself how Qualys can have your business 
manage and reduce your cyber risk at speed, at scale, and in a quantifiable way. So just in terms of a preemptive start to this conversation, we're going to be talking about the Manchester security scene, what that community is, what it looks like, and providing some advice and talking points for the members of our community who maybe don't get access to security leaders like yourself. So let's jump into our first topic of conversation today. Um, we'll focus this around a, a, a question that we formulated. Um what has your involvement been within the security scene around Manchester and the Northwest? And what would you like to see reintroduced to the local community to increase that community engagement? Uh, Lawrence, let, let's start with you. So I would love to see B-sides coming back to the Northwest. Um, there's, you know, there are a number of good security conferences around. So you've got Steve, uh, SteelCon uh, over in Leeds. Um, you've got a number of different groups that are really active and, or I rephrase that, they were really active and social pre-COVID. Obviously, 2020 kind of like put scuppers on any kind of meetups. Um, and some of them did make that transition over to virtual, but it's never quite the same. So I used to go to a lot of the OWASP meetings and the rant events and um, Steelcon stuff. And the conversations that you had in person were some of the best conversations. Anybody that's ever done, been lucky enough to go to like Def, uh, Defcon or um, Black Hat in the States knows there is a real thing when you're waiting in queue in the queue to actually get in to see one of the keynote speeches that you have some of the best conversations amongst people that you've never met before. Mm -hmm. And they all have really weird and diverse backgrounds in, in industry and education. Um, and some of those conversations and some of those discussions can be the better conversations than the ones that you actually think are going to be the keynote ones that you really are going to enjoy. So having the chance to actually meet up face to face, that's the only way that, that happens, you know, where you get yeah. to meet new people, you, you get to understand where they've come from, what their views are and how they uh, um, have got into the industry or how they've dealt with specific problems. Mm -hmm. um, so I definitely would love to see more of the meetups. Um, yeah. I think, yeah, I think besides falling away from the Northwest and Manchester was a real shame. Um, you know, it would. I would love it if B sides could come back and be as good as it was in its heyday, mm -hmm. but also be different to the B sides down in London, um, so that people can go to both of them if they've got that ability. You know, you go to. Um, we used to back in the day used to tag on uh, B-Sides and InfoSec because they always used to coincide. So it was always quite nice. And he'd used to go, to, and I'm just going to show me age here, he used to go to the Portcullis Arms halfway through so you could have a, a few drinks and chat up with people. Um, but what we did notice is you'd see the same people talking in London that came up to Manchester. Mm -hmm. And it kind of, you kind of go, oh, well, I've, I've been to it already. I don't need to go. So that for me is one of those things getting new people um coming into the organization coming into the, the sector really and talking about it and some of the yeah. conversations and some of the discussions i've seen at b-sides or other events weren't they didn't need to be super technical so a lot of the time people kind of are put off by the fact of oh if i go to one of these meetups it's going to be a load of nerds i'm not going to be able to do <laughs> what I, you know i'm not gonna be able to follow along i'm not going to understand what they're talking about and in reality that hasn't been my experience at all. Yeah. You will, you definitely get groups of people who are 
uber nerds. They know this stuff. They speak in binary and can communicate the with niche native. Market. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. But those people are—they will also help you. So this mm. is the other thing that I've noticed, um, especially coming from down south, the northwest people are a lot more open and willing to talk and friendly, and will—they want to help versus what I noticed in some of the London meetups or the Southeast meetups, where it was very much a case of you had to be in a, in a group. People had to know who you were. Um, so it, that- it, It's the North-South divide, isn't it? It's, it, 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 it transcends all, hmm. all, all business and, and everything else. You know, I've, I've, you know, I've experienced it myself. You know, yeah. Lawrence, I'm, I'm, I'm like you, I'm not a, a, a native Northerner. And, and like you, I've been up here, now longer than what I live down south, mm. um, but yeah, you're you're completely right. COVID kind of killed off all of the the normal meet meetups and the security meetups that that I'd be going in into. Um, the the ones that I've been to recently, which have been um, sponsored, I'm gonna I'm gonna put it that way, have have felt more like a timeshare um uh invite than than anything else yeah yeah i i think it's I, I, I yeah i think that's that's something that is notable and i, I i'm gonna loop back to that uh shortly glenn go on sorry lawrence no 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 i was gonna say actually with inside so what i probably should say straight off the back is all the opinions and views that i air are my own and do not reflect my company or employer um, of course but I think that's, that's, that, maybe that's worthwhile pointing that that's true of everybody on the conversation. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But one of the things that we actually tried to do at Quarter Cloud was to build out a, 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 a like a, a customer community um, because we wanted very much to, to help people. So mm-hmm. put people in touch with other organisations and kind of share. And it's 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 been a struggle to get the input and the focus from people um and a large problem of this is is only you only get out what you put in so if you if you're not willing to talk or if you're not willing to you know put your hand up and go right we've just had this problem Mm -hmm. or we are having these difficulties with this technology or we overcame this problem through this then a lot of the time there isn't anything for people to communicate about. There isn't a community spirit at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. We have uh, a number of core customers and, and, and people. Uh, actually, they're not even customers. They're basically friends now because we know them so well. Um, and they do share amongst themselves. Um, and so it is It's starting to get some traction. But building out a community in InfoSec is very difficult. So I think a lot of people that had a lot of good work in and really established themselves pre-COVID, trying to come back to it now, they're almost having to start again from fresh. So I would definitely say that all of us, and if you're listening to this podcast, that includes you, should be trying to support all of those meetups. And I fully know some of those meetups are going to be better than others. And some of them are going to be more poignant to you than others. But I would definitely say, especially if you're looking at, you know, if you're new to the industry, then go to those events, meet as many people as you can, talk to as many people as you can, um, ask them how they got into the industry, ask them how what they do to keep abreast of all the changing developments in cybersecurity. Um, 
and then use that knowledge keep it um and just develop your your kind of skills and your groups of people that you're talking to that's what i would say yeah completely agree and i think yeah really really valid uh obviously um noah you you have a you know quite a um an extensive view on tech meetups and tech events as you said you do a lot within particularly women within technology um do you think that in terms of what we want and what we would like to establish back within manchester and within within the northwest do you think there is a need for um particularly events focused around diversity equity inclusion specifically women within cyber security do you think that's an important thing or do you think that actually just trying to bring the community together as a whole is is more important well absolutely Stephen. um uh, adding to what lawrence actually uh, talked about conferences uh, i was involved in several initiatives here in manchester and northwest um, some of them is uh, about diversity and engaging more, uh, you know, young girls and mm-hmm. uh, women in tech. And some of them is like Max, uh, because this this type of events uh, where you uh, meet up with, you know, both men and women, um, it gives, you know, more uh, insight about leadership styles how to handle cybersecurity, how to manage it, how to tailor frameworks, how to think differently, actually, mm-hmm. because both of them have different, you know, um, techniques and opinions on how to tackle, you know, the um, uh, challenges and so on. Uh, so, for example, um, as Lauren said, actually, and uh, also Glenn, uh, period COVID, there were uh, some of the initiatives, which is top now i think i can mm-hmm. i don't i don't see it now to be honest one of them was um um celebrating ada lovelace actually uh this is um you know uh, this is an event for um presenting real model uh, from the market um uh, women succeed successful women uh, in the market so uh Ada Lovelace actually it was an initiative uh, here in Manchester and Northwest uh, where they present uh, you know a lot of uh, real model uh, women from the market uh, to showcase how they um succeed in their um, in their uh, field and also uh, to give like empowerment uh, for uh, uh, returners to their technology, I mean, from women perspective, because, you know, as women, we have some uh, family commitments and, mm-hmm. and several, you know, uh, uh, periods of time within our life. And also uh, some of them is like just give up. Uh, they feel, um, you know, lack of confidence. Uh, they didn't find a proper mentor. Uh, they feel like this is a male dominant uh, field. So they actually struggle, to be honest. Um, so this, this type of initiatives gives them, you know, uh, like hope and give them, uh, some uh, guidance. Uh, on how to find your way, how to believe in yourself, how to invest in yourself and, you know, uh, do more actually within uh, cybersecurity. Um, I actually um, was involved in several conclaves previously uh, where we discuss confidential data in financial sector, I mean, uh, and we can, you know, openly uh, discuss the struggles 
how to manage this, how to deal with this. I face this incident, for example. So it's not only me. I can see in other banks, for example, they have the same. So, oh, it's, it seems it's something like towards the industry. So how to tackle this, how we can uh, cooperate together and, um, you know, do some sort of like tailored frameworks together uh, for the financial sector, for example, this this was one of the um, uh, good initiatives, to be honest, uh, which helped us a lot as leaders in the field. Um, other initiatives as well was uh, hackathons and yeah. workshops. So it was very, very useful. As Lawrence said, some of them is very nerds, for example, and they are talking very, very technical, okay? Us as leaders, we need this knowledge, actually. Uh, we need the technicality, but also we need the management, you know, uh, skills as well. So we can balance between them to see how we can solve the problems, how we mm -hmm. can detect, you know, uh, the incidents, how we can talk to the business leaders and also the uh, stakeholders and management about cybersecurity, how we, we can communicate this to them. So mm -hmm. it's very important for us as leaders you know, as a leader in cybersecurity, of course, you will have like hands-on previous hands-on experience indeed. Uh, but also now you are like in, in a position where you need to uh, communicate the struggles and the threats and risks to the business and also to, to translate the business objectives in technical manner, you know. So this is our um, uh, role here. And uh, it's very important to have such workshops on how to deal uh, with these struggles as well. Uh, there is other point. There is other other point for me actually, which, which I didn't find it actually. <laughs> but I think this is very important for uh, for the societies. Volunteering and donation actually by service. Mm. So, for example, as a service provider, you already have a service. You want to do some sort of marketing for yourself and also help the the community. You know, so you could volunteer and donate some of your you know resources or knowledge or whatever to other companies you know do some like initiatives uh, contact with with the clients and so on discuss with them what are their struggles and uh, suggest to them uh, some of the services you know i can help you with nda of course with, uh, with proper onboarding and all of this stuff but this will enrich you know the community will enrich the knowledge share which is the most important factor actually because if you don't know it you will not you know, uh, be uh, capable to prevent it, actually. So out of a sudden, you will just see incident, how you will be panicked, you you don't, you are not prepared well, you know. But if I, for example, uh, heard about it from Stephen, and then from Lawrence, and then from Glenn, you know, that they face the same struggle, and they have mm. like different techniques. And I know now that, for example, there is a, a, a an active uh, campaign, uh, an active risk, for example, in the threat landscape and so on. So we are aware about it. We think together on how to, you know, manage such situations and so on. So we, we will enrich, you know, uh, the knowledge and sharing, you know, information and, and techniques and so on. So this this is another contribution to the society, which we really needed, but I don't see it's, it's you know, in the market right now. Of course. I, I, and Again, I'm going to look back to quite a lot of the things that you guys have said in a minute because valuable stuff, but I don't want to interject too much. Glenn, anything else that you want to add on that point? No, I'm I'm I'm, I'm wholeheartedly agree with pretty much everything uh, that that the other two guests have said. Um, you know, as I said before, you know, the as we've all said, COVID really killed off 
the 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 meetup scene mm-hmm. um, across the northwest. Um, you know, there are some still some fantastic minds and people and meetups out there. You know, um, you know, we've got um, the DTX um, held in in Manchester on a yearly basis. That you know, although it's it's very much a vendor led. I have had some fantastic conversations in that, you know, mm-hmm. like you say, like Lawrence said, you know, you, the the best conversations I've had there have been stood in line, either waiting for a coffee or or waiting to speak to a vendor or something like that. It it's it's that connection that you make, um, and I I know um, Noah um, touched on it before about um, offering up time and uh, and things like that to. Uh, other other businesses, etc. It's something that I was previously doing. Mm-hmm. It was part of the job job role of, of onboarding and doing um, third party assessments um, within our business. If that business wasn't uh, up to our level, it wasn't a case that we, you know, it was an outright no. It was a lead them by the hand of how they can actually do things better. It was bring them up to our standard. Basically, it was a free assessment for them that, uh-huh. you know, we can then give them the it, – it wasn't just a, a smack over the head and saying, you're rubbish, go off and, <laughs> and and fix it, and then we'll talk again. It was, yeah. right, we see where you're going on your journey. This is how you can do it. This is how uh-huh. we've done it. This is, These are the tools that we would suggest – you know, I'm, I'm not a reseller. I'm, you know, I'm, I work in the financial service industry, you know, but I can give them that – I know what good looks like and I know what mm-hmm. bad looks like yeah. and push you along that journey. Um, I think something that I haven't seen in Northwest and, and you know, I've, I've seen it in other cities and um, especially down South is, is actually bringing in the, 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 the colleges and universities yeah. and and getting in early, you know, they're they're very much. Uh, I'm not going to say an untapped resource, but when they when they're coming out of of university or finishing their their degrees and 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 the such, their expectations of finding uh, a role with limited or no um, kind of experience, you know, giving them that coaching you know throughout their 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 kind of course i think would be really beneficial you know i'd love to see um a more industry joined effort to kind of get those people in into yeah. work cuz you know i think uh, i think the business is currently going out and trying to get um, in, in, I'm not. I sound a bit old now. We're in, in, in investing in in tried and t- in tried and tested people rather than bringing you know new people that mm-hmm. could that could benefit. You know, it it's been a it it still is a very big thing in in the business that you know. As I said, I've been with my business for seven or eight years now. You know, I I I don't do it because it's easy, and I don't do it because of, of the fantastic pay or anything like that. Um, but I, I can see that I'm making a real difference yeah. and the people that I'm bringing in are junior that I can shape and give a round, a, a, a rounded outlook on, on the role 
but what I what what's happened to me previously is that I've invested, you know, twelve to eighteen months in in the junior members of staff, and then all of a sudden they they're they're off and gone. Fantastic for them, but it it, it doesn't do too <laughs> leaves too much for, leaves a uh, hole for you, doesn't it? Yeah, man? yeah. I so, think um, I think a lot of what you were saying is. Uh, a lot of what you were saying there, particularly around the universities and and obviously in, in the Northwest, we, we've got some fantastic universities that, that bring forward fantastic talent every year. And, and you're right. And how how we as a community create those link ups and that access to knowledge. I think that's the big thing is the access to, to the practical knowledge of the workspace and the employers that are out there. That's something that I'm very keen on playing within the next year and going right at what actually works best because it's a it's a point that so many people raise when i speak to them about this go on lawrence so i was just going to say and to touch on something that glenn said with regards when you're bringing people in um one of my old CISOs early on in my career basically stated the life expectancy for somebody in cybersecurity in any role was about 18 to 24 months and then they'd be looking to move on. Um, and I have to admit, from what I've seen, that's generally true. Mm-hmm. So, it, And it isn't because people are necessarily looking, in my experience anyway, it's not because people are looking for more money. Um, what they're looking for is a new challenge because they see the same things happening time and time again. If they're on the, d- the defensive side, they're seeing the same alerts and they know how to deal with those now. If they're on the offensive side, they're fed up of seeing that companies haven't patched systems. And yeah, they want to try a different organization to see if they get exposed to different clients and then new threats. Um I'll give a caveat great... on that. The grass isn't always greener. No, absolutely <laughs> not. Absolutely not. The grass is occasionally greener, but most of the time it's just a slightly different shade of green. Um, <laughs> and occasionally I've been caught out and found that somebody's actually painted the grass green. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely one of those things that is worth keeping in being mindful of. But I don't necessarily think that's a problem either. So the way that I've tried to counter this um and i've ran some very large teams especially on the defensive side was we used to try and rotate people around so they'd do six months so they'd do their initial kind of like stint as a role um which was normally about a year and then they would go and do either three or six months in another role with inside of information security. So that could be somebody coming from the red team and going and sitting and working with the SOC or the incident response team. So, so, they have a, so they have a different view on it. They can take what they've learned from their previous experience, share it with that group um, and vice versa. So I've, you know, I've been lucky enough to work in organizations that had a dedicated incident insider threat team. They had a dedicated incident response team. They had a dedicated vulnerability management team. They had a dedicated threat intelligence team. You know, all of those things allowed us to rotate people mm-hmm. around. And that meant that we ended up having a much higher um, retention rate than some of the other organizations. So my message to other IT leaders or people who are managing teams, if it is possible and if you can do it, even if it's just on a short-term basis, even if you're not talking about like months at a time, but just a week, 10 days, like that, move your team around, get them experienced and get them exposed to different areas of information security to see which one they flourish in and also which one they enjoy the most because Mm. sometimes it's not the same 
You know, I've known some um, offensive team, and from my experience, the best defensive people come from a offensive testing background mm -hmm. because they understand understand the mindset they understand what the attackers are actually doing at this stage and so they know what to look for and how to respond to that so yeah definitely look at expanding the teams and rotating people around there um i think glenn's right as well we need to get involved more with universities and just help shape people's expectations yeah because i think and again, um, I've had the pleasure or pain of recruiting in this industry sector for across multiple different industry sectors, but always in the major security for many years. And one of the worst things that's happened from my perspective is the Facebook advert telling people that the average salary for a cybersecurity professional <laughs> was 70,000 years, just 70,000 years. Just go do this course and you can yeah. come and join it. Yeah. Um, there are people that believe that unfortunately mm. and it's just like any other role if you haven't got experience you're not going to get that top pay yeah. um and it then becomes the age-old challenge which i'm pretty sure glenn and nora and yourself steve have suffered from in the past when you're starting off in this career it's well i don't have an experience how do i get the experience to be able to do this job and yeah and show that i can do it um and that's the thing where we need to be involved with those universities and have that piece kind of like completely. helping to give back yeah completely agree that i really like that that point in terms of moving teams around lawrence i think that's really interesting i've, I've heard of people do it before and i think that's that's such an interesting thing particularly internally we'll we'll, we'll come back and loop back around to other things that we can do as individuals within that community we'll come back and, and and probably finish on that in all honesty i think to to just encapsulate and and, and round off some of the things that you were speaking about so uh, I, I'm in conversations with and I've done podcasts with and working with some of the people who used to be involved in B-Sides Manchester um, and what we can do in terms of varied accessible um, events, meetups, that sort of thing. We're, we're talking about that going into, into the new year. We've got... Um, commitment from a number of places that that want to sponsor either through their time through their facilities whatever it is that they can do and um, there's quite a lot that we've got moving in that sort of space and some of the things that we were thinking about on top of what you guys have said so obviously the support network for leadership is so important because um uh, amy lemberger who was on a conversation we had the other day mentioned how lonely it can be at the top uh within security because you know quite a lot of the time you don't have any contemporaries internally so if you don't have access to those people externally and you're able to as you were saying know how share ideas and and be able to discuss uh trends that they could be very hard um being able to to lean on people for support as you were saying getting out there and going uh you know right i'm really struggling we've got this coming up or we've had this issue is there anyone can lend uh can lend time to we've talked about how we're able to leverage uh opportunity where people can not just offer it but can ask for it as well that's that's something that we spoke about quite a lot uh one of the things that we haven't mentioned today but that was brought up and it brought up in a conversation i had the other day was um community cpd for us uh us as a community at at large so for your leadership of course but also for your teams as well um and how we go about doing that and i think what comes out of that is quite interesting because if you're doing your traditional cpd internally 
there's not huge amounts of discussion and there's not huge amounts of learning opportunities for people. Whereas actually, if you go and attend a day-long course with people from 30 other organizations, you might take something completely away from it that wasn't there on that actual training course. So accessibility stuff again. Um, And I think just to drop on that final point of engaging the talent pool, I think there's a lot we can do with the universities. Um, I mean, our organisation does quite a bit already, um, but we work with people who do quite a bit already. So it's it's all localised, but it's not. There's not a a joint effort from us as a community to do better. So there's absolutely opportunity to go into the universities and provide that advice. One of the things that I thought about was having advice sessions with people. So let's say, for example. Uh, you three in an afternoon could come and sit in a location in Manchester and we invite from the computer sciences, of course, those sorts of potential candidates, but anyone else who might have an interest in cybersecurity as an option, because you don't need to come from a computer science background. They can come and just ick your brains for an afternoon. Um, That was something that I thought could be quite interesting because then you're not just sat there delivering it as per a lecture. It's then getting them engaged and they're coming to you with the agenda as opposed to us going to them with the inge- agenda. So quite a lot of different stuff that that I've I've got planned and I know that there is appetite for. It's just really good to hear so many different things um, about what you guys are you know, suggesting in terms of things for the for the uh, uh, for the community and what we want to see for us to be involved in. Yeah, I think bringing. Sorry, Stephen. I think no, no, bringing no, no. it Go to on. life yeah. for um, students is is you know that their their ideal of you know sitting in you know uh, a sock with multiple screens everywhere and you know um what what's been um kind of um pictorialized on screens and stuff like that that this this is what security is you like, mean television is lied to me glenn <laughs> it, it, it lied to me you know i i i i, I didn't come in you know I, you know, when when the other guys said, you know, how long they've been in in security, you know, I I spent sixteen years doing IT and working my way up from service desk all the way up to IT site management. It was at that point that I transitioned to security. You know, for for my sins, it, it was sold to me as security is common sense, and you know, it when I look back, it it pretty much is common sense. Yeah. It's just that businesses want to make a different decision to common sense as, as opposed to um, having money coming in uh, and, you I, know. I suppose, Glyn, it's a bit like it's common sense that we should all eat a balanced diet and we should all get exactly. plenty of sleep and we shouldn't drink too much. And exercise. And it, yeah. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> we all know that's common sense and it makes – and it's good advice. However, very few of us – actually follow that common sense advice and cybersecurity is pretty much the same way regardless of the size of the organization really analogy it's a really good analogy and, and, and i think that's important you know it is and, and no I'm, I'm i'm sure you have seen it you know in the broader sense of, of the women in tech is realizing um 
situations for people and actually giving them real world uh real world examples real world advice is so much more meaningful and so much more accessible and that's a word you'll hear me say so much because i think it's something that we miss out on is accessibility um and they you know if we if we revert back to what glenn was saying about vendor-led um events is you can go to it thinking you're going to learn stuff and actually you walk out having just had a sales pitch at you in a clandestine manner for the last you know three hours it can be quite tough sometimes i have a challenge with regards to that go because on. i'm lucky enough to have been involved in a number of vendor-led activities shall we mm -hmm. say and groups where the whole purpose was the fact that the vendor would come on stage and they would talk about their product and then people would challenge them okay so just because you're going to a vendor-led event if you don't believe what they are saying challenge them any vendor and i can tell you from because i'm not in the sales side in my world which is perfect because i would be an awful salesman because i'm far <laughs> too blunt and far too honest um but i can tell you from when i've been giving presentations and giving talks and and i always like audience participation there is nothing more disheartening than looking out to a room of 30 or 40 people and nobody saying anything you know so mm. There's a challenge here for ourselves, which is if you go to a vendor-led event and you don't agree with something or you're not sure how something works, for goodness sake, raise it. Call it out. Because mm. if the vendor shoots you down and immediately goes, oh, we'll talk about that offline or, you know, da, 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 then that probably means there's a problem with what you've identified. Okay. Now, chances are it's going to be a miscommunication. But it could also mean that actually, despite them saying in the marketing teams and the sales teams kind of polishing the uh, the proverbial, it may not be as good as they say, claim it is. So you challenging it and you calling it out. And if the listeners go to events and somebody else does calls out something and the vendor shoots them down, I would encourage you as a impartial third party to then raise the next question and go, no, no, no. I actually want to understand how that how that works. You know what Glyn just said there. I, I'm really interested in that. I was thinking the same thing. Can you just can you just explain it? I don't want you to take it away and have a private conversation because there's going to be other people listening and wanting mm -hmm. to know. Um, but it's absolutely down to the community to actually hold the vendors to account and challenge it. You mm -hmm. go to these things. Yes, it's their chance to peddle their wares and give the sales pitch and tell you how wonderful their product is compared to all the others. But that doesn't mean you have to sit there and be passive. You can absolutely challenge it. You can ask questions and you should do. Uh, I totally agree with you, Lawrence, actually. Uh, this will enrich the conversation for both sides, to be honest. Mm. For us, for example, as audience, so we are sharing the struggles, we are sharing the gaps and how we can, you know, solve these problems and seeking, you know, a solution with the vendors. And also for the vendor themselves, sometimes they just, you know, focus on the trending functions and so on. However, they when we are challenging them, they will think, you know, uh, more um, like overarching, uh, you know, uh, perspective uh, on security architecture aspects, actually. So he has a function, he could utilize it with other function or integrate it with other system or whatever, which you already have. So he will give you another idea on how to, you know, uh, design your solution and controls and so on and how to comply with other standards and so on. So absolutely right. And I totally agree with you. I think it's it's just a credit to to the point that all of you made earlier of 
that's that's a responsibility as a participant that then mm. facilitates the meaningful conversations that you have afterwards because you're absolutely right now you bring up a a question or a topic someone else across the room goes oh that's exactly what i was thinking and then that two minds meeting isn't it and and, and it brings value to something maybe where there was not as much value as as you were hoping um yeah really good point so let's move on to our second talking point then for today um and we want to talk about advice giving advice to our community um and getting getting the engagement there with our community as people who've been through the process of not only candidates applying for roles but managers who are bringing on talent and hiring talent and developing talent internally as um members of the community that not only have applied for and gone through career development yourself but as managers who've hired and developed teams what advice would you give to the community as red flags that you see within a candidate's application or a candidate's interview and on the other side of the coin what red flags do you think organizations show that might put candidates off from engaging with that employer um glenn Let's, let's jump to you. Um, I think if I take it the opposite way around, what advice would I give to to um, somebody that would probably be be honest? Um, the the you know having recruited quite recently, there's and it, and it's not everybody, but there's an awful lot of people that and 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 uh, you know it, it's a fairly common practice inflating your CV. But inflating it so much that it's unrecognizable. So you know, if if you're going to put something on your CV, be able to back it up mm. because it will become very apparent very quickly in an interview um, that you know that that what you're claiming to have had, have done, or or things like that. So yeah, be be honest, be be truthful, and if you. Go into an interview and you're you're asked something that you don't know. Be honest about it and yeah. and and say I don't know, but I'd probably be the very first person to go <laughs> and go out and find out and and look at it and understand it and come back to you with an answer. Mm. I think that's that's very very good advice for candidates. Honesty is such a such an important thing and like you say oh sorry do you know what i don't know it's not an area i've had any expertise with i can probably draw some similarities to x y and z but i'd be more than happy to learn about that how much of a better answer is that than trying to fudge your way through something you don't understand yeah i i i'd I'd wholeheartedly you know uh, grab that answer with with both hands and and shake it by the hand yeah rather than somebody try and uh I don't know. Um, uh, fudge the answer, yeah. and 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 snake oil sells me uh, yeah. salesman something that that I know for 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 sure isn't. Well, it just it just immediately opens up the gaps, doesn't it? What about the other side then, Glenn? Um, in terms of red flags from a organisation perspective that might put a candidate off, what what do you see? Where do you think organisations can improve that might might stop them deterring candidates? I suppose it's, it will. It works the same way. Be honest, Love you know. That. Don't don't you know? Don't try and sell something that is, isn't the reality. You know, mm-hmm. if it is a first time position for a first time person, you know, that is offering ex- again. Put the I I I expectations for salary. 
should be on a job advert because I'm so glad that somebody that is not me is saying that. By the way, <laughs> uh, it, it you know the amount of times that you know and and you know the uh, working for previous businesses that have have done this um, that don't don't append a, a, a salary or a salary range or the salary range isn't such you know a, a, a gap. It's it's the um, uh, a chasm, so to speak. Mm. I want to be able to give people a defined question, and it cuts down the process an awful lot because I'm not in interviewing a uh, uh, 110k CISO for a junior position that isn't paying a, a quarter of that. Yeah, it, 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 one of the biggest crimes I think in in terms of recruitment practice is that term competitive salary. Uh, it's just horrific. What the hell is a competitive salary? Because what yeah. you think, what she thinks, what he thinks, and what I think are all going to be different. So let's let's be open and honest. Yeah, I love that you had that, that same red flag from both sides, Glenn. I, I, I'm very glad you went that way. Noah, what about you from your side, from a <laughs> candidate perspective when you're hiring? What are some red flags you see? Yeah. So for me, actually, for uh, we will start with the with the candidate uh, first. Uh, when you show your, um, I totally agree with Glenn actually about how to introduce yourself and present, you know, your capabilities or skill or whatever. Uh, I'm against uh, the concept of one size fits all. So someone in cybersecurity is like presenting himself. I did this. I did that. I have experience in this and that. I totally agree. However, um, every one of us like has a unique and uh, skill set, you know, in in certain topic. For example, someone like me, I started my career uh, since very long time in uh, network infrastructure and so on. And then uh, going forward with the ISO standards and so on. And then now is like I'm more for GRC. Uh, leadership and also management, uh, you know, skills and so on. So if I will introduce myself, for example, yeah, I have the knowledge, the technical knowledge. I already like done myself with hands-on experience with penetration testing, for example, monitoring mm -hmm. tools and so on. So I have the knowledge. I know how to um, tackle and design and put in your uh, like security architecture uh, what you should do as controls. However, if you will ask me, I'm more like GRC now, okay? So I will give you more information about it and so on. So this is one thing. And also when we tailor uh, the interview questions and so on, it's very, very important to uh, to craft some scenarios, okay? Uh, some of the um, employers, they are asking you, give us example of one day that you did this, this and that, okay? And the feedback come back, like, you know, uh, other candidates give more, uh, like, better examples or whatever, you know. All the examples will be tailored or depend on your previous organization, right? But I want to evaluate your potential, your thinking, your way and skills of how to handle the challenges and so on. Mm -hmm. So I have to create these scenarios and ask you, Stephen, for example, for this scenario, what do you think? How you will solve this problem? You will give me your idea. So I will evaluate your thinking. And then for Lawrence and also for Glenn and so on. So then I will be like a ground rule where I can evaluate everyone's perspective and how the better candidates, you know, can can um, uh, you know act with me and so on. Yeah. Um, 
from the organization, to be honest, if I am candidate, for example, I'm searching for a job or whatever. Uh, so there are plenty for me as a woman in tech, actually, <laughs> there's plenty of red flags. So first one is the diversity. You know, sometimes we all know that uh, cybersecurity and IT and so on is male dominant, you know, field and so on. So if I apply for, for a job and I find the, the like the panel, the interview panel and so on, all are men. Uh, you know, it's like uh, very few numbers of, uh, you know, uh, women in the management uh, level and also in the technical level and so on. So I believe, mm -mm, you know, they, they are just more to uh, male and I will not feel comfortable. Maybe someone else. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, for me, I, I believe in myself, to be honest, <laughs> I have a lot of challenges and I have a lot of, you know, uh, struggles, to be honest, in my career path just to reach this, you know, position yeah, uh, that I'm in. Uh, but yeah, I, I I know a lot of women, a lot of girls and ladies. Uh, they struggle in the confidence. They just feel fear. No, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not. You know, at this level. Sometimes yes. Let's let's admit it. Let's agree. Yeah, they didn't get the opportunity to be or to excel in their career like men, for example. You know, maybe from networking perspective, maybe they were lucky of having like you know more time, uh, dedication, confidence. You know. But women not sometimes, you know. So we have to encourage them to support them, to give them the opportunity. If you have a mm -hmm. candidate, for example, men, for example, like have like 90% of whatever you are seeking for, you know, for, for the skill set that you are looking for. And the woman is like, you know, 50%, 60%, she's hesitant, actually. So you, you need to create the balance between your, you know, uh, team uh, structure. Get this lady, get this girl and so on, because... At the end of the day, you will have like two point of view when you have a struggle or when you have a problem. So she will give you, you know, like idea. He will give you idea. You can combine both mm. and see, you know, different perspectives and so on. Uh, also, the hybrid, you know, uh, working model. I can see a lot, a lot of advertisement about the roles. Now, after COVID, as Glenn said, uh, after COVID, uh, must be on site. Hybrid means three, uh, three days on, uh, on office. Most of the uh, uh, opportunities, for example, in different cities like London and so on. So, you know, it's either for men or women, it is hard nowadays, you know. So we are, you can, we can work uh, virtually and we can meet up. We can have like team meetings and management meetings or whatever we needed or structured or planned or scheduled or whatever. But, you know, we return back now before the COVID hybrid and, and on-site. So this is a red flag, actually. Mm, I will be hesitant, you know, to apply for this role because it is, you know, like uh, wasting my time. Commute, for example, someone mm -hmm. like us in the Northwest and Manchester. So every day I will go to London. This will be very, you know, so I will be, mm, no, I will not, you know, uh, apply for it. Uh, and also, um, I think uh, the high turnover. Uh, for me, uh, I love to... Uh, go to check the reviews over the companies uh, on like last doors and also uh, indeed and job uh, boards and so on you can see you know the the like uh, opinions and uh, you know uh, different uh, views and so on about the company and so on um for me myself i was lucky uh, for a couple of you know employers to be honest they were very very supportive to be honest uh, management are very supportive uh, people are very supportive the diversity the culture there is encouraging you to grow 
yeah, obviously you need to have this, uh, you know, belief in yourself actually to grow and confidence and, you know, base and you invest in yourself time and knowledge and, and all of this stuff, but also the surrounding and the employer themselves, if they give you the opportunity and, and give you the support, uh, yeah, of course you will grow. Some of the companies, um, also this was like bad experience for me as well. Uh, you know, as all of us, you know, some employers are good, some employers no. They didn't support you. For me, for example, as a woman and tech, no, they didn't. You know, when they invest, uh, no, we will invest in him, not you. You know, sometimes, no, 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 we'll attend this conference for him, not you. Okay. Yeah. So um, for me, uh, I care about my career path. I just focus on my career path, my profile. This is me. I need to grow. I need to build my profile. So I invest in myself, you know. For example, if they didn't send me to this, this is back in, like, you know, um, you know, uh, several years, um, uh, back in several years, actually. Um, um, I just invest in myself. I paid for the course. I paid for the exam. Uh, I did the self-study. Uh, I I go for the conferences like annual leaves on from my annual leaves I you know paid for the conference and so on to attend or to speak or you know so this enrich my profile and give me the opportunity and also I inspire and empower other ladies when I attend such conferences they come to me oh no we that's that's good to see you that's good to see like role model in the in the market mm -hmm. that you how you did this how you did that uh, they think that the employers for example the, the like the uh, the grass is greener, <laughs> as they said, actually. And, you know, everything is like easy. And I, I was very, very lucky to have the opportunity. No, you know, it's like ups and downs all the time. Sometimes you are, you know, frustrated, disappointed about things happening, you know. But you have to try, you know, you have to focus on yourself, focus on the community. I believe on contribution, again, the vol volunteer and contribution to the society through so many activities, conferences, podcasts like this and, and knowledge share and so on. This enrich, you know, the community uh, with these talents and also enrich my, you know, profile as well, you know. So mm -hmm. when I meet someone... I have also discussion with them, you know, I gain information from them. I see how they deal with th with things, with the environments, with the challenges, with the questions, with, with the problems and so on. And then I learn myself, you know, so it's very, very important to have this type of networking and so on. So um, I think these are some of the red flags that I can see. <laughs> yeah, Fab, thank you. Again, I, just on some of those points and just to make sure people realize how important they are, attrition is something that you know, from my perspective in my industry uh, within within talent and recruitment we can see those numbers very very quickly and very easily and i have worked with uh, candidates that that i have an offer for and they might have an offer elsewhere and i've looked at the attrition rates of both organizations and if the offer that they've had elsewhere is worse that is absolutely information i'm going to be sharing with them um so yeah, I think it's it, it's you know you're perfectly right to point that out, and I won't go too much into um, diversity as a conversation now, but it's something that I've hosted podcasts on quite a lot previously, done a lot of conversation about something that's quite close to my heart, and I think you're absolutely right. If an organisation isn't showing their commitment to a diverse workforce, particularly within security they're closing their minds to all of the people in the world that come from a diverse community that may be a security threat. 
So how much are they really invested in security? Mm. How much do they really believe in it? Completely agree with you uh, on, on everything you were saying there, Noah. Thank you. Uh, Lawrence, last one. Red flag from your perspective. So uh, from my perspective, the red flags when I've been interviewing candidates, um, certainly as we've kind of like moved from face-to-face to virtual, um, that doesn't mean that you don't have to get dressed up and present yourself in a professional manner. Um, I think there's a couple of smiles on the, the faces of people here that know where this is going. I have had interviews with people where they've been still sat in their jammies at three o'clock in the afternoon. And it's not it's not a good first image that gets presented to the recruiter. Um, also, it's really important that the candidates research the company and the role. Yeah, there's not, again, it's really bad. It, it doesn't put you in a good light if when I ask a candidate, go, okay, so what do you know about blurb? You know, um, and they go, nothing. Or they just re, you know, they, they just say the tagline back to you. Mm. And I'm not saying that you need war and peace, but just spend half an hour researching the organization. At least know what the organization does. Yeah. Exactly. Know where that role fits in the organization as well. Um, especially when I've been recruiting for um, cyber defense personnel. Mm. If an organization has had a breach, you don't need to know all the ins and outs of that breach, but just know the high level items because it's some of the best interviews I've had have been where the candidate actually said, well, I, I know that you kind of suffered a breach back in 2012 and, and this was what was publicly available. Is it, you know, how did, how did you feel that that breach was handled? Was it what, what could be improved upon it? And, everything? and that suddenly switched the tables because then I was thinking about the question that they'd asked me and going, well, okay, yeah, that was a good. One. Yeah. But, and, and it suddenly meant that this person had a greater level of knowledge with regards to the organization, the struggles that could face it because of the breach. But also they had imp- they gained my respect because they actually knew what they were talking about and were able to articulate that back to me mm. and ask a question that was poignant, not just, uh, you know, oh, how many hol- days holiday do I get? Yeah. Um, so definitely research the company, research the role, like uh, Noah was saying, check on Glassdoor, check on the review sites. I would say re- read the top five most positive reviews and the top five most negative reviews. So you get a balanced opinion of it um, because there are going to be some people that just didn't fit that organization and they will immediately go online and slate it. It may be more about them than the organization. So that's why I say read both sides of it. Um from a candidate's perspective, red flags for me would be, again, like Noah was saying, um, <laughs> the definition of hybrid or remote working. Yeah. Um, also, make sure that the organization has some form of career pla- pa- plan mm. for you, whether or not that's a training plan or expectations or just a development goals for you as an individual. If they don't, and it's not like Glenn was saying, oh, it's because this is the the first time we're recruiting for this position. We don't really know. Yeah. If they come back to you and say, look, it's the first time we've actually recruited for this role. We're not too sure what to expect. We'd like you to help or the successful candidate help shape that role and what the training path and development path look like. That's a perfectly acceptable answer. Yeah. 
if they say, oh, we get back to you and then you never hear anything, then that's a major red flag because that literally is a case of they're just expecting you to fill a seat and do this role for the next however many months, mm. years or whatever it may be. A um, knee-jerk reaction to recruitment for cyber. Yes, yeah. Um, the other one that I would say is, so certificate, read, read the job spec, okay? And some of this is down to recruiters. Sorry, Steve. Um, oh, no, it's fine. Don't worry. I'll take flack. Yeah, but recruiters, in my experience, will just throw people at an organization. Not they may, may kind of like filter out the strongest candidates and put them first. But when they're when they're struggling to find somebody, it just goes like, or from my experience, it seems to go like a um, scattergun approach. They just throw people and hope one of them sticks. Um, so make sure you read the job description and you know what they're wanting. Okay. Um, and feel free to go back to the recruiter and go, you know what? That's not really a good fit for me. Uh, and I know that can be a really scary thing, especially if you don't have an, a job at the time and you're looking for a role. Don't just take the first thing that comes along. You could end up doing yourself damage in the long run because the cybersecurity community is quite close knit. And so if you perform poorly or like Glyn was saying, you've polished your CV so that it's almost non-recognizable, um, that unfortunately is going to get round. So people do ask. I mean, I ask my colleagues, you know, have you ever come across this person? What did you think? They ask me and people feed back and give honest advice as friends. Um, so that's one thing to keep in mind. Um, I just thought of something else, which was kind of keep, I've completely lost my train of thought. Uh, da, 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 da. Yeah, it will come back to me was, two minutes later. I was going to say, it's going to come back to you the moment we jump off this goal, won't it? Yeah. <laughs> so so for, for me, personality also plays a massive mm. thing. Mm. Is, is that the same for Noah Lawrence? Yes, yes, absolutely. And also, I know full well from being, you know, having to recruit, uh, sorry, having to go for interviews and do all that stuff, how nerve-wracking it can be. Yeah. So there's nothing wrong with a candidate coming out and going, say, look, apologies, this might not be my best. I'm, for some reason, I'm really nervous about this. Um, I really like this role. I think this is going to be a good fit for me. And it's kind of like put the nerves on. Um, that's fine. I don't, that that doesn't go down as a black mark as for me recruiting somebody. That's like, they actually know their limitations. Like, ah, this was the other one. When somebody asks you what, are your strengths and weaknesses for goodness sake never turn around and go oh none i don't have any weaknesses right <laughs> um it doesn't come across well now you can absolutely say um, well that's a bit bit of a difficult decision question um i could be better at x y and z likewise balance out your positives and negatives if you can yeah mm. um even if you look, if this is your first job in the cybersecurity world and it's that straight out of university, straight out of another career change, whatever, and you haven't got anything to relate those scenarios like Noah was saying, you know, or like Glenn was saying, bounce it back to what you do have experience of. So the fact that you used to have a Saturday job working in 
Asda, Tesco's, whatever, doesn't matter. You will have had to deal with difficult customers. You would have had to deal with problems that suddenly arose. You know, you will have to deal with um, spillages or breakages or, you know, stuff being stolen. You can relate that back to cybersecurity. It's just about the perceptive, your perception of that in that past environment Mm -hmm. and role and the question. And if you know the organization, if you have a good understanding of what this role is going to be doing, you will find it really easy then to take your past experiences and reflect on those in a positive way. Um, The other thing that I was going to say, and sorry, just overrunning, is around don't be, so certainly for me, I do actual assessments, so practical assessments. So if you have said that you are a top one agent with regards to Splunk or PowerShell, da, da, da. I'm going to want you to prove it. Okay. So this is, and again, I think this might be me showing my age, but this was what happened to me when I went through various different roles and organizations. And sometimes just for an, a progression with inside of the same company, there was a practical assessment to go through and say, right now, don't be afraid of that. It's there for both parties sake. Okay. It's there for me as a recruiter. So I know that your skills are at the level that you think they are and that you're saying they are. It's also for you to gain insight into what the issues that the organization is facing. Because if you see a lot of questions around log management and how do you interpret this information, then that's a good indication that they may not have a dedicated or a functional seam or something like that. So you can read information into that and help you get an understanding of what the situation is in the organization. Um, The only other thing that I would say, and this goes for both parties, is just because you get the job doesn't mean you are secure in that job until you have passed your probation. So doesn't happen so much in the Northwest, but I've worked with a lot of companies in the Southeast and yeah, you could get the job, but if that probation was six months, there were a lot of people who were let go before the end of that probation. So just because, and I suppose it really goes to Glenn's point, be honest around what your capabilities are. If you say that you can mm. program in Rust and all of a sudden they recruit you on that basis and, you know, the first week in they go, right, they go, you've got you settled in. Here you go, right, this is what we need you to program for us in Rust. And you go, uh, yeah, I only ever saw it on YouTube. You're going to get found out and you're going to end up being, thanks very much. It was a pleasure to meet you, but I don't think this role is right for you. Yeah. Um I want to add to Lawrence, actually, because the evaluation itself uh, or the interview is like two-way evaluation. It's not only uh, the, mm. like, the company or the employer are evaluating ourselves like a candidate uh, who apply uh, from skill set perspective. However, um, us as a candidate, there is like two things, two major things in, in cybersecurity field, actually, when you are asking about what is the reporting line. So you should ask about this because you will then evaluate, you know, the independency of security. Is it really, really, you know, uh, supported by the management and they already believe in that and they, you will grow in your career within this company or you will be part of like IT only and it will be like, you know, capped with, with with IT, you know, uh, aspects and so on. And the other thing is within the interview, 
you will evaluate actually the panel or the interviewer if they have really uh, leadership and mentorship you know skills so it's not only mm, what do you what do you do in this tell me about that tell me ah okay then the feedback comes later uh, uh we found a better candidate or whatever you got my point but within the the like interactive conversation with the interview I should learn from you as a leader, for example. So you will, uh, you know, highlight my potentials within our skills. Yeah, you did this. This is really, you know, good. And uh, this is good point. This is a good question. Exactly like you said, Lawrence, sometimes within the interview, the candidate is asking us like, you know, something. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he is really interested and know what, what he wants, actually. So he is evaluating us as well. And also, if I give you the opportunity, if I should evaluate the potential on you as a candidate and give you the opportunity. You might not fit all the skills, but I can see the potential. So this is my responsibility mm-hmm. as a leader, actually, to evaluate, okay? And the candidate themselves, because if I find no diversity, uh, it's part of the IT, uh, reporting lines is, is not that, you know, uh, like independent or whatever, certification or regulation or whatever. So what is my opportunity to grow here, to build my uh, career, you know, profile and so on? So it's also for me, no, I don't think so. Um, yeah, it looks okay from the job description or from the ad or whatever and my search. However, when I talk to them, I didn't find this is the good opportunity for me for my next move, for example, and so on. Fantastic. So we've obviously, we've touched on a few really important points uh, today in terms of the Manchester security scene and the security scene community across the Northwest and what we would like to see uh, in terms of a reinvigorated community providing that advice and obviously we've then gone on to provide advice to those candidates and to your peers the people that are hiring within the community i think it's a really interesting and exciting conversation uh it's lovely to see such engagement from from all three of you um so firstly yeah thank you for that before we do end today's podcast i'd like to formally say thanks to all of our guests for sharing their thoughts uh in today's conversation Our guests, as a recap today, have been Glenn Riggs, the Head of Information Security at CapQuest, Noah Armin, the Head of Information and Cybersecurity at TLT, and Lawrence Bentley, the Head of Cybersecurity at Core to Cloud. If you're planning your security recruitment for the coming year, if you're hiring for security professionals, or if you're looking for a new role yourself, feel free to get in touch with us here at Evolution. Or if you, or anyone you know, would like to be featured on one of these future podcasts, you can drop me a message too. I'm Stephen Mann, and you can find me on LinkedIn, or you can email me at stephen, with a ph, dot man, M-A-N-N, at evolutionjobs.co.uk. Or you can visit us at evolutionjobs.com forward slash UK. Thank you again to all of our guests, and thank you for listening. We hope you can join us next time.